<clears throat> this podcast is brought to you by the Almamac and Scientific Canada. It was recorded on the traditional territories shared between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe nations. Enjoy. I feel like I just butchered that again, even though we That's just, close enough. <laughs> we just had the conversation. Okay. My research on <laughs> uh, light adaptation in the in the fish right now. I'm sitting in a kiddie pool, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite nice. Oh, that would be great. But it's oh, uh, not very professional. All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to the show. Welcome to the Alamac. I'm your host for this week, Adam, and I'm with your other host, Severa. Severa. <laughs> we said that in unison, so we kind of lucked out there. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, so haven't had both of us on in a little while. You've been very, very busy, and uh, I think that's going to be the topic for this week. So, what have you been busy with? Where, where have you been? Yeah, Adam, I haven't made those sweet, sweet bio changes yet, but for the past several weeks, I was doing my comprehensive examinations and I passed. I successfully passed. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so that must be a big load off your, off your conscience and off your, your brain. Yes. Yeah. You know, when you start the process, you think like, oh, for sure, like you're going to work on other things in the background because like, how can you focus on one thing for just several weeks? But honestly, for me, like that's, that's the only thing I could do um, for those months. So definitely feels nice to have that behind me and um, have that milestone achieved. Yeah. So, so you, as we've discussed before, you're in a, a PhD program, PhD MD program. Um, and I think we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but uh, the whole concept of comprehensive exams for a PhD might be a bit foreign to some. Um, so very briefly, it's just a, a big, stressful test, right? And sort of at the first quarter, first half of a PhD program. And yeah. what's the, the goal is basically to see if you belong in the program, I guess, in rough terms. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think I like to think it comes kind of like halfway between your PhD. So that's also a cool milestone to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and it essentially just tests your breadth and depth of a knowledge uh, of, a, of a chosen topic and your ability to communicate on that topic. So I know we were talking in the little uh, pre-interview how co comprehensive exams, they differ between degrees, programs, universities. Um, but yeah, essentially that's the crux of it. Yeah. So for, for you, your comprehensive exam is of course going to be very different from what my comprehensive exam was because we're from very different um, we do very different research, but um, so comprehensive is going to mean something different for you. What what it was included in your comprehensive topics? Everything that has to do with every human body part? <laughs> or... uh, thankfully, no, no, I left out in that case. No. So it consisted of three parts. So one was a 10 page written grant proposal on a research topic that we chose. Um, and that topic had to be conceptually and methodologically different from our own thesis topic. And then the second part was giving a 20-minute presentation on our grant. And then the third part is your wonderful Q&A where um, your committee members ask you questions about the grant and then generally about the literature. That's interesting. The, the forcing it into the framework of a grant proposal, that, is, that, that was different compared to mine. Ours was just sort of present 
your thesis up to this point, and then you get into the Q and A session. But um, you know, getting some real hands-on grant writing experience is probably pretty good. Um, was there like a specific grant format that you were writing for? Like, was it a, a model of some like Canadian granting agency uh, yeah, it, simulation, or was it a generic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was the former. So it was a CIHR style grant. And for my topic, I chose to uh, design a randomized control trial. So I had to use the CIHR headings for um, RCT grants. So yeah, I agree with you. I was it's it was very nice to get some hands-on experience, like writing a grant without actually having to submit it and like be dejected and rejected once you don't get funded. But um, there was also like a lot of like reflecting and learning that took place as I was writing the grant because you're realizing like okay maybe my study isn't the best. Like, okay, maybe like this is not the best way to tackle the topic that I was studying, but you just keep pushing forward. But yeah, that was, um, I found that helpful. I agree with you. I found it helpful just to get some experience because that's hopefully what we want to do as researchers. Yeah. Yeah. Get that money to, uh, to answer your questions. Um, and I guess maybe one of the hidden challenges of writing this grant is really like contextualizing your question into the field as a whole. So maybe that's like a little backdoor piece of experience that they're forcing on you uh, to really know your field. If you, you have to know your field to write a, a proper grant, I would imagine. Um, so did they sort of question you on, on that aspect as well, like specifics of your grant proposal and then also context questions? Yes, exactly. So the Q&A um, was exactly that. So it was both on my grant and then just general questions about the literature so obviously, when I was writing a, the grant, I had to do uh, a systematic review of the literature to see what studies had been published on the topic that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another thing I learned because I, I chose a topic that I don't really know anything about. And I don't think I would recommend that for anybody that's <laughs> listening. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, yeah. So that was... Um, kind of a struggle for me because even though the topic was so interesting to me, it was just hard to learn um, kind of like decades worth of research and then all the like little nitty gritty um, aspects that accompany it. So, but thankfully the questions were broad enough that I was able to answer them. So um, that was good, but yeah, it's kind of both styles of questions. So you have to be prepared in that aspect. That makes sense. Um, could you give us a, a little taste of uh, of what your grant proposal was about? Is this something that you you feel like you might come back to later in your in your career? Is it something that you're very passionate about, or was it this sort of a I'm going to pick a, a topic that seems kind of cool and, and see where it goes? Yeah, you know, Adam, I think maybe it was probably a combination of both. So it stemmed out of interest. So I'll, so my topic was uh, adapting and testing a trans diagnostic intervention for mental health problems among low-income pregnant women. Bit of a mouthful, um, can give some background on that. So transdiagnostic. So that's um, basically treatments that target multiple mental health problems by targeting the core neural processes that underpin those mental health problems. Okay. Um, and the reason that transdiagnostic interventions are promising is because people usually don't present with a single mental health problem. So people don't just present with depression or just anxiety. They're often um, comorbid or or co-occur. So that's the um, benefit of transdiagnostic interventions. It's like, great, rather than giving a therapy for this and a therapy for that, just it's a one size uh, fits all solution. Obviously I'm um, 
uh, it's not as simple as that, but that's the idea of transdiagnostic. Um, and I chose to do it. So that was, that was the interest aspect because I had a few months prior, I had read a paper on um, transdiagnostic interventions and the idea that there are like combined processes between mental disorders rather than like categorizing them all separately. So that kind of piqued my interest. And then in terms of what I hope to do in the future. So I was, um, I am interested in working with uh, populations facing disadvantage, including low-income populations. And so that's why I chose that population for my study. And low-income pregnant women are also more likely to present with comorbidities. So the co-occurrence of mental health problems as compared to their more affluent peers. So it kind of all worked out as I was like studying and learning, like things were slowly coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I was fortunate in that sense. So that's what my topic was on. And then you, previously, you know, we were talking about like learning all the different aspects of um, my topic. So, you know, transdiagnostic was new to me. Working with low-income pregnant women was, was new. Um, designing an RCT, like, like it was it was a lot of um, reading and literature review, but I learned a lot and I'm thankful for that. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So, so you wrote this grant proposal, 10 pages. Um, so that's also kind of a, a novel concept of, you know, writing something and bringing it to the exam. I've, I haven't heard of that from anybody else who's done a, a comprehensive exam before. Often I hear things like, oh, it's a bunch of written examination stuff. That's just questions you answer in a three hour time limit or something like that. Or it's like an oral exam where you come in and they just ask you questions until you can't answer them anymore, but you actually had to prepare something beforehand and bring it in. Yeah. I think, I think I, I I did prefer having a certain degree of preparation prior to the day of the actual exam. Um, And that's because as I was uh, reading and doing the literature review and writing the grant questions pop up in your mind, right? It's like, Oh, um, what about this concept or what about that? Or what about this methodology? And having that running list of questions was really helpful because I was able to refer to it and like, um, kind of learn more about the literature, but also some of those questions that I had come up in my head were the very same questions that the committee members asked me. Mm. So I certainly think it was helpful um, in the prep and it kind of forces you to prep. I think um, like with the grant, I had to do that systematic review of all studies that have been conducted in low-income women using some sort of psychological treatment. Um, so yeah, certainly it helped me dive deep into the literature. Mm -hmm. Did you come out the other end um, with any ideas of how you would change it based on uh, the Q&A period? Did they convince you of anything or make you aware of anything that you didn't think of in your grant? Or or did you basically have an airtight grant? No, definitely not the latter. No, I wish. But we're working (laughs) towards that. Yeah, I think... um, so one, one thing that uh, my committee really helped me with was kind of understanding, like, um, helping me understand the, the statistical analyses I chose, um, maybe choosing um, another type, especially because mine, the one I proposed was a small pilot randomized control trial. So they're just giving me options of the different types of stats that I could have used rather than the one I proposed. Um, and then the ultimate question was kind of like, because I was working with low-income women, it's kind of like this idea that Uh, Of course, they have other chronic stressors, right? Housing insecurity, food insecurity. And it's the question, is psychotherapy really going to fix that? You know, is psychotherapy going to house them and um, uh, put food on the table? And the answer is no. These individuals need a living basic income. 
Um, so it was, it was interesting for me to, and that's something I was really interested in learning um, to begin with, was an unconditional basic inf- income for low-income women. Um, so it was, it was interesting for me to kind of think about different ways that you can combine therapies, right? So maybe you can combine psychological treatment with case management for these women. Uh, so that was, that's something at the back of my mind. Mm, yeah, that would definitely make for um, the kind of question and answer period that would be very daunting, I think, when you're, you know, part of the whole idea of the study is that there are a ton of different aspects of the problem. Um, obviously, you can't know about every single aspect of it, but uh, I guess you'd have to know the thing that you want to study exactly and then maybe like have a little halo around it of, of related things and then the grander picture where you know even a little bit less of it but yeah it does seem like a lot of stuff to um to prepare for so yeah no and that's a great way of describing it and another thing that we have to remind ourselves is that they're not expecting us to be experts in this field after learning learning about it for just two two and a half months um, and the questions that they asked really reflected that. And I was appreciative of that. And um, almost at some times, it almost became uh, a discussion, kind of like, oh, well, what do you think about this? Or if you were to do this in the future, what would you do? Kind of just testing your um, critical thinking skills. So uh, I was appreciative of that. And also just throughout the entire process, I was just reminding myself, like, I can't be an expert in every single little thing, but I'll try. Yeah. I guess that's what your collaborators are for. Yeah. I will uh, defer this question to my imaginary collaborator or my hypothetical collaborator. Um, The other thing that was really different about yours compared to pretty much any other year is uh, you probably did this over Zoom, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't notice any significant disadvantage aside from like it would have been nice to see everybody in person and like get that congratulations in person, but there wasn't any significant disadvantage doing it over zoom. Okay. Um, in preparing for all of this, um, did you do anything sneaky, like figure out a way to accidentally disconnect your microphone or something? If you got stuck on a question, was there any Ooh, sort that's of- good. Oh, these are the tips I needed, Adam. Why are you telling me this now? <laughs> these are the tips I needed beforehand. I'm certain my uh, internet naturally helped me out. I'm certain I cut in and out at, some points and here's hoping it cut out at the the bad parts <laughs> uh yeah okay so so maybe we can get into the nitty-gritty of, of preparing so um this is not like a, a typical test where you know you sit down for three hours with a pencil and eraser and you, you write out stuff and if you get it right you get it right if you don't you don't there's some amount of sort of discussion and back and forth right yeah, um, that's right so how did how did you go about preparing obviously you had to prepare your document but then presumably you had a bunch of time between finishing the document and actually going through this question and answer period. So, so what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. So even preparing the document was a lot of back and forth, like a lot of writing and rewriting and editing. Um, and my supervisor was really helpful in providing guidance on that and like providing like how RCT grants are written and, you know, things that should be included. Um, and that was, also a bit of a challenge, right? Because you think you have like a good draft and then you go back and there's just so much editing that's required. And you're kind of like, just wondering like, okay, when am I going to get this off my plate so I can focus on the presentation and focus on some of the questions they might start asking me and preparing for those. So honestly, it was, it was, it was hard to balance that because part of me wanted to finish that grant like 
four weeks ahead of time, you know, but that did not happen. Right. Um, yeah, that did not happen. But I would say the prep happened simultaneously. So the prep for the uh, writing the grant and editing the grant, and then also like preparing the PowerPoint presentation and thinking of those questions that they might ask, preparing the hidden slides. Um, that was, yeah, that was all um, happening at the same time. And part of me wish it didn't happen at the same time. You know, I kind of wanted like some breathing room at least, but uh, that's right. just the way things panned out. Stressful process for sure. Um, how does it feel coming out of it? Do you feel like you are a better scientist? Do you feel like you are uh, you sort of like passed a certain checkpoint or, or how does it feel? Yeah, all, all my committee members and supervisor were so kind. Even before I began, they were saying, well, this is such a great milestone that uh, you're achieving. So that felt nice and that really put it into context. Um, the accomplishment that we do as PhD students to get to the stage. And yeah, in addition to being a sense of relief, I think I would say that um, it did make me a better scientist and a better researcher. Uh, like we were talking earlier, when I was writing the grant, you know, you start you try to put yourself in the head of a reviewer. It's like, what kind of questions would they ask? How would they um, uh, kind of like point out some of the limitations of your grant and what you can do to improve? And I did learn a couple of things. I learned that, number one, if you want to write a grant and be a researcher, do it in something that is your field of study rather than doing something that's completely unrelated. And I also learned the importance of collaboration. Because in our grant, uh, we have to say the researchers that we would collaborate with, even though I didn't like reach out to them and email them, um, right. we still have to list um, some uh, researchers, psychiatrists, whoever that we would want to um, invite on to the grant and research study. And that's really hard to do if you don't know the big names in your field or you haven't gone to conferences or networks. So I, I learned about the importance of um, collaboration and connecting with your fellow colleagues and remaining connected with them and kind of like keeping tabs and what everybody's uh, doing. So um, I'm really thankful for like the reflections and the lessons learned that the process of doing the comps allowed me to do. Okay. Um, okay. So, so keeping tabs on people in your network is something that you learned for sure. Um, so leading up into the, the comprehensive season, um, what kind of rumors and things had you heard about it? What have you heard from other people? Um, what were you kind of anticipating? Maybe myths or something that you could debunk or, or something that, you know, surprised you about the, the process? Yeah. So I had been hearing about the comms process. Well, Adam, I don't know about you, but to be honest, I don't know what it meant. I don't know the difference between a PhD student versus a PhD candidate until the first year of my PhD studies, because 100% on the first day of grad school for my master's, I'm around here calling myself a master's candidate. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't know the difference. And I feel like a lot of this is just like, you just casually hear it through your friends. It's not something that you're taught. Um, so in terms of myths or rumors, I wouldn't say they're too juicy or delicious. But what I was hearing from some of my peers from other programs is I just always thought of it as such an intensive and burdensome process. And to an extent it is, but you also have to remember that you are studying a field that you're very much interested in, that hopefully you wanna pursue as a future uh, researcher. Um, 
So you just have to keep that in mind and like keep on remembering like, okay, this is going to benefit me a few years down the road. Um, and like, hey, at least you're learning something. That's one of the reasons we're in grad school. We, we love to learn. Um, things that I guess uh, calm me down a bit is because I was very um, nervous about this process because it always seemed as this like uh, elusive process that I didn't know that much about. And, you know, people always made like... Um, a really large deal about it. But when I talked to some of my lab members and some people in my program, not only did they provide me with helpful resources that kind of calmed me down, but they also said like, Severe, it's, it's, it's not too bad. Like, um, you know, like you're going to do great, you know, as long as you um, like make a timeline and kind of like sketch out your deadlines, like you'll do just fine. Like um, you'll pass, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. So that, that was nice to kind of like hear it from people that made it out on the other end, especially people that are from your program who have done the exact same process. Um, that was good. So initially I had like a very scary representation of it, but some of my colleagues helped kind of debunk that a little bit. Yeah. I, I think I first started hearing about comprehensive exams in like the last year of my undergrad. I had a friend who oh. sort of accelerated through his master's and was getting into a, a comprehensive exam um, situation and him being the only person I knew in that level uh, and talking about what was going on for his comprehensive exam it seemed like it was almost uh, more of a weeding out process than it actually is I think that's maybe something that I brought a misconception I brought with me um, so this was at Western and this was the physics department and his comprehensive exam was drastically different from what mine ended up being at McMaster his was um, a week of one test every day, like a sit down written test, um, pass or fail. You never get to see your grade, but it was in all of the fundamental courses that you would take in a physics program. So it was like electromagnetics, quantum, classical mechanics, these, these sort of things. And um, I will say from going through master's and PhD, I did a little bit of quantum in one semester and then never touched it again. And the, the idea of having to come back to all of that stuff in like a, we're going to weed you out kind of mentality was terrifying. And it actually like made me hesitant to want to do grad school at all, knowing that that was on the horizon. But um, yeah. I think exactly what you said, it's, it's not as bad as it sounds. I, I guess I can't speak for every university. So maybe some of them do want to use it as a weeding out process, but at least from the people that I know going through it, it's really just seems like it's a checkpoint. It's just, a, you know, you had to do a bunch of courses, you've done a bunch of research. Let's just make sure that you have your bases covered. You know, your field well enough. This is a time to catch up on any of the reading that you, you know, missed or a little time to refresh your, your knowledge in certain topics. And, uh, and we'll get through it and then we'll we'll go from there kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I'd like to think that your supervisor or your committee members wouldn't let you get to that point of a comprehensive exams um, without knowing that you are ready to start them and begin them. Because um, I don't think, you know, um, anyone really wants to set you up to fail. So at least you'd hope not. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, that's, that's interesting to hear how, I guess, like how different universities kind of approach the comps and what they think of it. Mm-hmm. I was uh, doing a little bit of research coming into this and I, I hinted at this in our pre-interview. Um, but uh, I guess comprehensive exams or the concept of like um, 
a pass or fail checkpoint exam isn't necessarily just a PhD thing. Um, other universities will do it in um, sometimes in undergrad, sometimes in master's. Mm. Uh, if it's like a course-based master's program where you're not going to be publishing a, a thesis, it's a little bit more common to have something a bit more intensive like this. Um, but in this digging, I, I started coming across some weird aspects of comprehensive type exams. And uh, this one was a, this one that I came across that I want to bring up is uh, an alumni from Yale. Um, I think he said he graduated in the sixties or something like that. And uh, I guess every person at Yale had to pass a swimming test. <laughs> so you, you know, you do your courses and everything. And I think what it said is when he first came to the university to Yale, uh, everybody from that cohort had to do a swim test. And if you failed the swim test initially, you'd go through several weeks of lessons. <laughs> oh, uh, it wasn't like a very intensive swim test as far as like, like you're not going to be competing on the varsity team. If you pass the swim test, it was, uh, right. I think 50 yards of continuous swimming, just of sort of a, one length of the pool and back again. Um, but yeah, that, that sort of took the idea of comprehensive education and like took it to the logical conclusion of every possible thing you could possibly need as a, a human being to survive in this world. We're going to test you when you come to this university. Yeah. I wonder why the emphasis on swimming. Why not some yeah. other survival skill? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I would not have passed. I would not have been a Yale no? student. No. Uh oh. No. You'd have to take your uh, couple weeks of, of swim training. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, any, any, um, any tips you wish you could have tell, told yourself going into it? Um, yes, I guess a couple of things that I found helpful. So earlier I talked about the timeline. I found that really helpful just to sketch out, even if you don't end up following it, but just to sketch out your um, most optimistic dates that you want to complete each thing. So writing the grant, editing the grant, making the PowerPoint, prepping for questions, and also in that timeline, like allow leeway for life to happen, you know, like days where you get sick or um, things that you need to tend to. I just found that helpful just to have, have that by my side to know like the goals uh, to attend to throughout the process. Because mm -hmm. especially like I was given maybe I think two, two and a half months to prep. And like, it's like, oh, writing a 10 page grant in two and a half months, like that's fine. And you might just put it on the back burner a little bit. Um, so having that timeline was just nice to refer to. Uh, other things that I did. So I talked about having that running document of those questions that popped into my head. I'm certain that you've experienced it too. You know, you're reading an article and it says something or it gives like a really interesting reference. And then you open that tab and that leads to another tab and you never end up finishing the original article. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it was nice just to have those questions in the back, like um, stored elsewhere, because on days where I didn't feel like working on the grant or um, it was just nice to go to these questions that were tangentially related to my topic just to kind of research them and learn um, more about that um, and another thing I did that I found really helpful is that I practiced my presentation with my peers uh, they gave some really helpful feedback whether they had passed their um, whether they had gotten to that stage or not it was just nice to get an outsider perspective to see what I wasn't enough in detail or if I was glossing over anything uh, it's always nice when you uh, present to your peers and they ask some really helpful questions. So I recommend that to anybody who's embarking on this process. Cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, 
congratulations. It is a really big milestone and it, it does. Um, it's good that you feel good coming out of it. And hopefully this sets the tone for the, the next couple months. Uh, hopefully you continue feeling uh, very accomplished after, uh, after this ride the high, if you can. Yes, I am. I am Adam. I will. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah. Any, any last minute um, things? I feel like we're getting kind of close to time. No, um, I think I think you and I kind of tackled some of our similarities and differences during the comps process. Um, and to anyone that's about to embark, I think good luck, study hard, do your best, and that's all you can ask for, and you will do great. Yeah, keep that schedule. If, even if you weren't a schedule person before, if you just get a little calendar, get something. Yeah. Give them sticky notes. I don't know. You'll survive. <laughs> you will. You will thrive. We'll do great. Cool. Well, thanks so much for uh, for opening up and telling us about your your journey. Um, yeah, I guess in the coming weeks uh, you'll be talking to some new new grad students, so that's going to be exciting. You are a little bit more free now, so that's mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it was a pleasure to uh, to talk to you again. Well, thanks as always, Adam, uh, for interviewing me, for thinking of the idea and uh, for all that you're doing for the show. Hey, my pleasure. Um, Yeah, so so that's it for this week. Um, Of course, tune back in next week on Thursday at noon. Um, I mean, we're there every week, so don't miss. Um, Yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks again to everybody for listening. And if you like the show and want to hear more, you can find us at scientificcanada.ca or any streaming app that you like. <laughs>